Hey guys, the following is a podcast produced by the Georgia Cyber Center at Augusta University. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to have a wild time. Welcome to In the Wild. Each week, your host, Rayshon Ricks, will catch us up on all things Augusta University and everything else. What's up, y'all? Welcome to In the Wild. I'm Rayshon Ricks, your host, and today we have an awesome episode planned out for y'all. Today, we are going to talk about anxiety because I think that is something that has been a word that's been thrown around these past couple months. We've been working from home and experiencing all of these range of emotions during such troubling times. And I think to cope with some of these things, we had to just feel all of this anxiety. And I know personally for me, college was a very stressful time. I was super involved in a bunch of different things, and I did not know how to practice enough self-care and communicate as effectively as I could as it regards to time management, that I was overwhelmed all the time and my anxiety just built up. And I think I'm just a person that has just like a natural high stress level, but my stress quickly turned into anxiety when I was not doing all the things to help take care of myself. So today we have a counselor, a licensed professional counselor from Student Counseling and Psychological Services, which is a free service for all of our university students. And we're going to talk about how we can manage our anxiety and our mental health during such troubling times, because whether you are experiencing grief or whether you're experiencing some sort of other loss and we haven't been able to cope as we normally have during these times, or if you just started back school and things aren't going the way they need to on top of having to do so much virtually or socially distanced, it can be a very stressful time and we want you to have the tools and the skills that you need to support yourselves and be successful while you're here. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Jaguar is the official news source for Augusta University. From student life to the latest on our amazing faculty and staff, we've got you covered on all of our campuses in Augusta and across the state. As educators in liberal arts, cyber sciences, research, and clinical expertise, there are great stories to be told every day. Check them all out at jaguar.augusta.edu. Welcome back, everyone, to In the Wild. I'm your host, Rayshawn Ricks, and joining me... We have a very special guest. We have Ms. Lizzie Humphrey, who is a licensed professional counselor and assistant director for student counseling and psychological services at Augusta University. How are you? I'm good. So thank you so much for being here today because I really think COVID and anxiety has really taken or taken students for like a whirl this mm. past couple, I guess this year, because COVID has stayed pretty much a while longer than we expected. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us some of your like pits and peaks for the summer since we're going into fall now? 
Great question. Um, I definitely think with COVID, my summer experience was different in that normally um, we would have more of a break from seeing students and take a little bit more vacation time, but vacations didn't necessarily look the same. Um, and we, because we were offering virtual services, we were able to keep working with students all through the summer. So stayed busy at work, which was good, and got to take a little bit of time off with family and um, yeah, so that's been the, the summer experience and ready to go into fall. Um, we've been at here a couple weeks now into the fall semester, and it's been really good. Awesome. I think for me, like, the peak, especially for this week, is that you're our first guest back in the studio. Yay! So that's super <laughs> exciting because, um, like I told you earlier, this summer has been crazy, and we weren't able to have guests in the studio for a while, so we had to do like these virtual sessions through Zoom and Teams. And it was a good challenge to have to know that we're able to do it. But at the same time, it was like scary with the added technological barrier, I guess, if that's the best way to phrase it. But yes, I'm glad to have uh, someone here person to person to talk to. So thanks for being here once again. I'm glad to be here. So you've been with student counseling for a while. Uh, so can you tell us what services SCAPS offers to help students going through a difficult time? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So um, personally, I've been working there for four years. I've been in the assistant director position um, since December, so that's a little bit newer for me. But I'm very familiar with, uh, with our student counseling services. So I'll just share a little bit about what that looks like. We provide individual group and couples therapy to all enrolled students. And we also offer um, sort of additional services, things like workshops and self-care activities and things along those lines. Currently during this semester for the fall semester, all of our services are being offered virtually. And the way that students can get connected with us is we've implemented a new system this semester where every time a student calls, rather than just scheduling an appointment right away, they'll get a brief 15-minute appointment to talk with the counselor. And that way the counselor can really gauge what is it that that student needs and make some recommendations early on to hopefully get that student connected to the right resources. So sometimes that recommendation might be to do one of our workshops on anxiety or self-care. Um, that recommendation may be to go ahead and start therapy with one of our therapists. The re recommendation could be to do couples if the primary concerns are about a romantic or intimate relationship. Or the recommendation could be to find services off campus or in the community based on the student's needs. So that brief appointment really helps us gauge how we can best serve students right from the beginning and then make some decisions from there. So if students call, they can anticipate getting that brief appointment pretty quickly, um, hopefully within a day or two of calling, and then be given the recommendations from there. I think that's a great adjustment. Do you think that will be something y'all have long term? I'm hoping so. We're, uh, we've just, like I said, just implemented it for the fall, but we've been planning on doing it for a while, even before COVID. Uh, this was a plan we wanted to 
um, implement, and we felt like this was the right time given some of the challenges with students being able to come into the office or being able to really know what they need during this time. And, and I think this brief appointment really helps us gauge that early on. So. Gotcha. So how has it been shifting from person to person to virtual meetings and interactions? I think at first it was a challenge. Our center has not ever offered virtual therapy before. It's not something we had done. And while some of our staff may have done that in the past at other locations, um, n very few people uh, that work in our office had ever done virtual therapy. So for us, it was an adjustment. And I think it was an adjustment for the students as well. But a few months in, um, we started this in March, and now we're here in August. And I think it's been going really well. I think all of our staff has adapted really well. We're learning so much. We all got trained in telemental health services. We've learned how to be effective in that format. And um, I think it's it's been a much better adjustment than I could have anticipated. I think students are also getting familiar with it as they learn how to adjust to many virtual things, whether that's classes or events. I think also adapting to therapy being done virtually took a little bit of time, but all of the students that we've had participate so far have had a beneficial experience from what they've shared. I think that's really great to be so flexible and accommodating during these times because uh, kind of like I mentioned earlier, COVID has just put everyone in such a range of emotions um, from like grieving to experiencing loss with someone or just the uncertainty of just going outside to go to the mailbox and just get mail. Um, so why do you think people have been such on edge due to COVID? That's a great question. And I think a lot of that may depend on each person's unique circumstances. So I don't want to assume that everyone's the same, but I would say, generally speaking, it's something that's unknown. I think the word that we hear a lot is unprecedented. Um, and that just means it's something we haven't prepared for or anticipated. So the way that our brain would normally handle challenging situations is to think, how have I handled this in the past? Okay, I'll use what I did before and get through it again. And because we're in a season where we don't really have a map or a framework for how to get through it, it can feel very disorienting. We don't really know how this will impact everybody. We don't really know what the next steps are. And that unknown feeling can just produce a lot of anxiety um, and can lead to feeling overwhelmed at times. So what would you say are some best practices for those who are trying to manage their anxiety or um, just their overwhelming amount of emotions during this time? That's a great question. I think part of that depends on how that anxiety or stress is coming out. I think anxiety can show up as a very physical experience of not being able to eat or sleep difficulties or just feeling tension in your body. It can show up cognitively where you're having racing thoughts or can't concentrate or your mind is all over the place. It can show up emotionally where you feel overwhelmed or sad or worried. Um, and it can show up behaviorally where maybe you avoid things or you're not doing the things you would normally do. And so paying attention to how it's showing up can determine what kinds of things can help 
if you notice you're having a lot of the physical symptoms, then doing things to help your body feel relaxed, like deep breathing or doing relaxing activities like taking a bath or going for a run. If you notice that you're having more of those cognitive symptoms, doing things to relax your mind like meditation or mindfulness or just activities that help you focus on things that aren't distressing. And if you're noticing that you're having more of the emotional symptoms, doing something like talking to a friend or journaling or something to sort of process those feelings. And then behaviorally, it can help be good to have some healthy coping skills so that you're less likely to go to maybe unhealthy coping skills like more substance use or isolating from people. So finding what coping skills work for you um, are ways to approach that. So for people like me who consider themselves to always be like at a higher level of being stressed out, what is a way to identify anxiety from just being, say, stressed for a certain period of time? That's a great question, and there's a lot of overlap between stress and anxiety, so I think that's a really good point. I think that when it comes to anxiety, it tends to be more all-encompassing. Stress can be more related to a specific circumstance or event. Maybe you're stressed about a specific test or about a specific thing going on. And anxiety can have more of that overall, like like I mentioned, all those key areas of life can be impacted by it. Um, and people can have varying levels of stress and anxiety and it can look very similar, but there is a point in time where we would consider something to be an anxiety disorder and that would be where it's just becoming very disruptive to somebody's life and they're really not able to do the things that they need to do at that point. Gotcha. So in addition to anxiety, there's also a lot of grieving that's happening during this time. So what would you say are some best practices for students who may be grieving during this time and haven't been able to mourn the way they traditionally would if COVID wasn't keeping us socially distant? That is a really good point. I think when you experience any kind of loss, but for a moment, I'm going to specifically talk about loss of life. If someone's passed away from COVID or from any other sort of reason that they may have died, it's really hard. And when you add into that, that just like you mentioned, the normal ways we would deal with that would be surrounding ourselves with friends and family or going to events where we can celebrate that person or honor that person. And not having those is very disruptive to the grieving process. So a couple of things that I think could be helpful one would be to find some way to honor the people in your life who have passed away, if that's writing them a letter or making something special for them or having a picture frame of them or um, just finding some way to honor them and recognize them in your life, even if you can't do that with other people, being able to do that on your own. And the other piece that I would suggest is finding someone where you can share happy stories about that person, being able to talk positively about what you remember, anyone who can share in those stories with you, even if that's a phone call or a text, just someone that can say, oh, yeah, I remember that, too, can be really helpful. As an introvert and someone who's very introspective, I love writing letters to people. So I definitely would recommend writing a letter to a loved one, even um, like you said, if 
they weren't able to receive it because I, that personally has helped me out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so what other um, like updates or things we can expect from your department this semester? Because I think y'all have done a lot of um, things to accommodate students for the summer, but is there anything new coming up from y'all? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I'm really excited about, um, in addition to sort of adding this brief 15-minute appointment at the beginning of someone seeking out our services, is that we've added to the workshops that we offer. So in the past, we've offered an anxiety workshop, which is um, very heavily focused on coping with anxiety. But in addition to that, we've added a few more this semester. We're going to have a workshop on creative self-care, which is how to care for yourself when maybe your normal coping skills aren't available to you. Um, we're also going to have a workshop on dealing with emotions. So if your emotions feel maybe much bigger than you feel like you can handle or if they tend to take over your life. Um, This workshop will really focus on how to take care of those feelings in a way that feels more manageable. And then we're also going to have a workshop on mindfulness, and that'll be a recurring one where students can just practice mindfulness each week. Um, those are all offered virtually, and to be take part in those workshops, you do have to go ahead and call and have that brief 15-minute appointment first just to make sure that that'll be a good fit for you. But if anybody's interested, they can call and, and seek out those opportunities. So we're hoping these workshops will provide more opportunities for students to get help and to get some coping skills without necessarily having to commit to therapy. We know not everybody is in a place where maybe they're ready or have the time or the energy to commit to individual therapy. And so the workshops are a way to get a little bit of something without having a long-term commitment. Yeah, I think those workshops will be really great. That's a great idea. I'm excited to see all the stuff that y'all come up with and do for our student body. Thanks. Um, So going back to, I guess, um, anxiety and grieving, as a friend or a supportive role, what would you say we could do to help our loved ones who are going through a difficult time? Yeah, I, I think students really do care about each other and care about their families and their friends and want to be present and supportive. Um, I think sometimes it's helpful to start with what not to do. And one thing I would encourage is if someone's having a hard time, they may not be able to express what that looks like. Sometimes there's aren't, there aren't words or language or the ability to com- clearly say what's happening, and that's okay. And as a friend or a support person, if someone says, I just don't know what to say or I don't know how to talk about it, to be comfortable with that, be able to kind of maybe sit in the silence or sit in the unknown with somebody can be really powerful. And maybe that means that you don't know exactly what's going on. You may not get all the details, but even just being present and being there for them can be really helpful. Another thing that I would suggest is if a friend or someone close to you is struggling with anxiety or with grief or just feeling overwhelmed by the current circumstances, um, trying to find activities that you can do together that maybe 
are socially distanced or get them outside or get them to experience something enjoyable can be really valuable. Um, that's just a way to kind of get away from all the stress and do something fun together. And then the last thing is you can always, if you're really concerned about somebody and you're not sure how to help them, you can call and talk with a counselor and get some ideas. We call that a consultation where you can consult with a counselor from our office and we can give you some suggestions for how to help somebody in your life. Um, That's awesome to know that you can still reach out to you all to get advice to help a friend. Yeah. And I'll say this last piece, I, I didn't mention this earlier when it came to the services that we offer, but we offer free suicide prevention trainings throughout the semester, and those are um, going to be offered virtually as well, but they're offered each month, and they are an hour and a half long, and they're open to all faculty, staff, and students, and the training really equips anybody who participates to talk to somebody that might be suicidal, how to ask questions, how to get them referred to support. This The training is called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, Refer, and it's a national suicide prevention training that's offered all over the country. And, and we offer those free for students, faculty, and staff. So if you want to attend one of those, the information's on our website. And like I said, we offer them monthly throughout the semester. Awesome. So how would... Um or how would you suggest someone who is going through a difficult time, but like you mentioned before, doesn't necessarily have the language to properly express what they're going through? Um, what is a great way to explain to your you know, loved ones and those close to you that you're going through something, but you don't necessarily know what you're going through and don't have the words to exactly explain? Because I feel that happens to me a lot where um, I don't know how to necessarily put words to my emotions? That is another great question. Um, I think one of the, this is a really practical thing that you can do. Um, sometimes it's helpful to use something called a feelings wheel, which is easily found online if you just Google search a feelings wheel. And it's just all different kinds of emotion-based words that are broken up into different categories. And even just looking at that and starting to say, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? That can just help put a label to it. That doesn't mean it will solve things or make things better necessarily, but it can give you some words. So even sitting down with a friend and saying, hey, on this emotion wheel or feelings wheel, I think I'm feeling lonely or I think I'm just bored, or I think I'm experiencing some hopelessness, and all of those different words are there, and that can be an easy place to start. I would also suggest that sometimes it's okay to just say exactly what you said. I don't really know what's going on with me. I don't know how to express it, but I want you to know I'm having a hard time, and if you can support me through that, I would really appreciate it. Um, and even just owning up to the fact that you're not sure what to say or how to talk about it. And hopefully um, the people around you can still be supportive, even if you're not able to express yourself. Gotcha. And flipping, I guess, to the other perspective again, if you notice that your uh, loved one is going through something, what is a great non-intrusive way of asking them? Because I think sometimes if they are going through something and they don't know how to express it, sometimes you may get a lot of defense mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, and maybe like a shutdown from the other person when you try to bring it out to them. So what's a non-invasive way to ask them what's going on? That's a great um, question to think through. Again, I'm going to start with what not to say, which would be <laughs> what's wrong with you. <laughs> um, sometimes we can ask questions in a way that can sound accusatory. And if we start by saying, what's wrong with you? Or why can't you just get better? Or um, the, And even the tone can matter a little bit around that. And, and trying to really approach it instead of accusing them of not being okay, starting by saying, hey, I care about you. And I just want to check in and see how you're doing. And if they say they're fine, um, you don't have to push it. um, But you could say, okay, well, if you change your mind and want to talk, let me know. Sometimes it can also be helpful. And this is something that we do in the QPR, suicide prevention training. But um, one of the things that can be helpful is to identify maybe what you've noticed. So if this is a friend that you've noticed has turned down every invitation to hang out, then you can just say that. Hey, I've noticed every time I've invited you to spend time with me, you've turned me down. I just want to check in and see if everything's okay. Or if you've noticed that they've been sleeping a lot more, you might say, hey, I've noticed that you've been sleeping a lot more and not doing the activities you usually enjoy. I I just want to see how you're doing and if there's something you want to share with me. Um, So sometimes starting by noticing the behaviors that you've seen can be helpful in starting the same way to that conversation that's a great way because I've always questioned like how can I ask my friends you know what's going on with them because I don't always reach out as often as I probably should with uh, some of my friends and when I do notice those differences I don't want to just hit, like you mentioned like hit them with the what's wrong with you <laughs> like what's wrong with you or why are you acting like this so I think that's a great way to help um, so now switching gears a little bit I have a little game of fact or fiction that I'm hoping you can just like debunk some common misconceptions about anxiety. Great. Okay, so the first one is anxiety will get better over time if I just wait it out. That's a great um, statement to try and debunk. And my uh, initial thought is it depends. <laughs> um, And I think sometimes anxiety can be situational. It can be based on your current experiences, which means that it's possible once those experiences and situations are alleviated that the anxiety will go away. Um, But people who tend to be more anxious in general, more than likely there will kind of always be something. And that means that even if one situation resolves itself, there may be a new one that comes up and they're not able to... Um, I guess, ever get a break from their anxiety. So I do think that for people who tend to be more anxious or experience a lot of anxiety, it may not just disappear, um, especially if it's not based on situations, but just a sort of a constant experience of anxiety. Gotcha. So next up, people with anxiety could just snap out of it if they really wanted to. Yeah, I think most people wouldn't choose to be anxious (laughs) if they could help it. Um, And I think we um, can, for people who don't experience anxiety or or who don't feel that sort of same level of distress, it may seem like someone's overreacting or it may feel like that person is being crazy or irrational or other labels that may come out. 
And one of the things I think is really important is to recognize that oftentimes when we're anxious, our brain is just very focused on the thing that we're anxious about. And it's really hard to see the bigger picture and to see um, how things could be different than whatever that anxiety experience is. I think most people, if they could just snap out of it, would. So I would (laughs) say that's probably more a myth and that it's better to approach the person by recognizing most people are trying to do the best they can and um, and most people don't want to be stressed and anxious and overwhelmed. I feel like I, I hear this one a lot from people, um, sometimes from like family where you try to honestly tell them what's going on with you and they're like, well, don't worry about it or stop stressing or just relax. And it's like, if I could, I would. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I would not choose to be worried about everything if my, bra- my brain would allow me to. And I just want to make another point on that, that particularly during this time as we're talking about COVID, what feels, I guess, rational versus irrational is really hard because we do know that people are getting sick and we do know that people are dying. And so having a fear around that, it's hard to gauge what is like an appropriate level of caution and safety. And then when is it okay, this person is maybe too anxious or too worried. And I just want to acknowledge that because this is new for all of us, what is a normal response, quote unquote, to a situation like this is really hard to gauge. Um, So I just recognize that for some people, they may feel like their anxiety is um, maybe out of control. And, And I still think there can be help for that, but it is hard in new situations to know how to respond to it. Yeah, I think we should definitely be extra gracious to people during yeah, this time. Absolutely. All right, next one up. Someone with anxiety can't perform well in stressful situations. Um, I think that one depends on how anxiety shows up for someone. Um, for some people, if the anxiety isn't too overwhelming, they may find that it's motivating. It helps them get stuff done. They're worried about their grades or they're worried about how something might go. So they're extra motivated and focused. Um, but if anxiety becomes overwhelming, then it can definitely impact performance and it can often disrupt school. It can disrupt ability to be, uh, successful both academically and relationally, um, or in work settings. So it, Again, it kind of depends, but if anxiety is too high, then it will impact somebody's ability to perform well. Gotcha. So there is such a thing of like high functioning or high performing anxiety? Yeah, I think that that may not be like a technical diagnosis, but lots of people may experience significant anxiety and they're still able to get things done, um, whereas other people may have significant anxiety and it is impairing them. So it really depends on the person and how that's showing up. Gotcha. So a panic attack can be unnoticeable. Can be... Unnoticeable. That's a really good question. Um, I think most of the time there will be some way to notice it, whether everyone sees it or not, that may not always be the case. But usually if someone's experiencing a panic attack, there's going to be enough symptoms that they at least know they're experiencing it. And usually it's not just going to be completely silent. Um, 
there's oftentimes difficulty breathing, feeling tension, and someone may be really good at hiding it or leaving a situation where nobody sees it, but more than likely there will be some sort of symptoms happening um, that could be disruptive. Um, and if someone's experiencing silent panic attacks, it's probably because they're found ways to make it where no one sees what's happening. That's interesting, because I didn't really know that panic attacks could be, I guess, somewhat silent. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the time when they happen, they're going to be, like, they'll be disruptive in some way, but others may not see it if you're, um, if you're good at just kind of getting out of that situation. Um, from your experience, would you say panic attacks happen for, like, an extended period of time, or are they usually just, like, for a quick moment of time? Most of the time, panic attacks themselves, like the experience of the attack, which is a very, very heightened state of anxiety, won't last very long. Um, it's hard to put an exact time frame on that, but the aftermath of still feeling overwhelmed and stressed and that physical experience can still last for a while, but the actual moment of the panic attack won't usually lasts for very long. I would say usually maybe a couple of minutes is the most common, and then um, and then the symptoms will start to decrease. Even though anxiety will still be present, it won't be in that panic attack level. Okay. And last one, in order to treat my anxiety, I must use medication. That's a great question, and I think anytime we're talking about mental health, there is lots of questions about medication, therapy, self-help skills, and I think anybody you ask could have different opinions on it, but I think most of the time when it comes to anxiety, um, a combination of things tends to work best. Um, so starting with learning coping skills, starting with therapy can be really helpful. And then if those aren't working or if it seems like your body is still maintaining a really high level of anxiety or just those coping skills aren't working, then medication can be a really helpful option. So it's not the only option. It's not the only effective option, but it can be an option for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of the research suggests that if you are in both therapy and taking medication, that that tends to be a good combination for addressing anxiety and, um, and depression as well. Absolutely. So last question. If I was a student who felt I needed some support services that you all offer, could you walk me through the process of what I need to do? Yeah, so I'd start by calling. Um, our number um, is, I'll just say it, 706-737-1471. You can also check out our website, which has most of the information I've shared today, which is augusta.edu backslash counseling. And when you call, like I mentioned earlier, um, you'll be scheduled with a brief 15-minute phone appointment. And at that first when you call to schedule that appointment, they'll ask for your name, your student ID, your basic information, but they're not gonna ask you anything at when you call to schedule about like what's going on. And then in that brief 15 minute appointment, you'll speak with one of our counselors who will ask you more questions about 
what brought you into therapy or what are you seeking? Ask some basic evaluation questions and then make some recommendations from there. After that, based on whatever their recommendations will be, they'll talk you through whether, you know, like I said, individual therapy or a workshop or another option would be best and they'll share how to go about each of those. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I know students listening, tuning in will take away so much from our conversation. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting to talk with you today. All right. And stay tuned, y'all. We'll be right back. Hey, you guys. So I want to tell y'all about an app I've been using on campus. Rave Guardian is a widely used app across universities to improve safety. The app features a safety timer, which is a virtual escort on campus, the ability to submit anonymous tips if something suspicious is happening, direct two-way communication with public safety officers, and even one-click emergency dial. The app offers so much more, but I don't want to keep you here all day. Help is always one click away with the RaveGuard app. Download the app and let us know what you think. Well, I really hope you all enjoyed that conversation we had with Lizzie. She is amazing and she answered all of my questions. Hopefully you had some of the same ones about anxiety and grieving and stress because I think the conversation is really important to have and I still think mental health is not something that we talk about as often as we should because everyone that has um, some mental health issue doesn't necessarily need to, you know, have medication or do this long-term therapy. Sometimes it's just going to student counseling, talking to a counselor, so that way you can have someone evaluate where you are so they can give you the tool that you need to be successful. So um, I hope that we can continue having these sort of conversations. I hope you all can continue to think about your mental health and try to make sure that you utilize these resources while you have them because it is free, completely free. All of the uh, services and the resources that we talked about today are free and accessible to you starting now. As long as you're an enrolled student, you have all of these options to help take care of yourself. So please utilize them in some sort of way. If not for yourself, definitely for a loved one because you can use them to just give you tips on how to be a better friend or support person to someone that you care about. And that's super important, y'all. So please take advantage of all these resources because your mental health is super important and affects every part of you, whether you believe it or not. And I would hate for someone to get these resources at a point where they have to absolutely need them instead of just using them before it comes to you being in a bad position. So Take advantage of them. Have fun. Stay wild out there, guys. We will be back next week with some more stuff, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, check us out on social media. Let's keep this conversation going. So see you soon. Thanks for listening to In the Wild. If you like what you heard, then give us a nice rating and review this podcast on whatever you use to listen to your podcast. To keep our conversations going, follow In The Wild on Instagram at In The Wild Pod and Augusta University on all our social media platforms. Don't forget to follow me, your host, Rayshawn Ricks, at Rayshawn Ricks, to send me questions you want to be answered on the show. 
Tune in for new episodes every week, classes in session, because we don't want you to miss a single thing happening on campus. You can also find more news stories at jaguar.augusta.edu. Until then, I'll see y'all next time. Stay wild out there, guys.